On this episode of the ASC Podcast with John Gailey, we announce some important changes to our membership program and welcome SIS this week as our newest sponsor and celebrate the 50th anniversary of the ASC industry with a look at 50 years of ASC technology and its impact on healthcare growth with Craig Veach with Surgical Information Systems. This episode of the ASC Podcast with John Gailey is sponsored by Surgical Information Systems. SIS provides cutting-edge information solutions for surgery providers. For more information, visit sisfirst.com. Welcome to episode 87 of the ASC Podcast with John Gailey for February 10th, 2020, recording from our studio in Spencerport, New York. This is Sue Cronkite, Chief Researcher for the ASC Podcast and Senior Nurse Consultant for Ambulatory Healthcare Strategies, and I'm here with John Gailey. He's recognized as one of the nation's leading experts in the ambulatory surgery industry. John is the author of a number of books about the industry and the owner of Ambulatory Healthcare Strategies, the industry leader in ASC regulatory and accreditation, governance, and quality improvement oversight. Well, that was kind of exciting. We, we just recorded a new <laughs> intro there with actually feeding the music in instead of doing it in post, and we did it in one take. But then part one took us three takes. <laughs> yes, I couldn't get my bearings again. <laughs> oh, well. So we're, we're always trying something new here, and uh, we're trying to reduce the amount of post work that we have to do since mm-hmm. Sue has to do it usually at 2 o'clock in the morning. And we're, <laughs> what is it? It's like 10, 11 yeah. on Sunday, and we're recording this episode. This has well, been a long done, weekend. Yeah, we've done two episodes. Or today. Or, yeah, yeah. It's because been of, a podcast weekend. Yeah, well, technical difficulties, unfortunately. <laughs> For those of you that have already listened to episode 86, you know that we had to re-record an interview during that with uh, one of the attendees, and unfortunately that put everything behind, but... Uh, so it's been it's been an exciting weekend, only doing podcasts. But we did have a, an opportunity to go see my daughter's new puppy. Yes, our grand puppy. Our grand puppy. Yes, it kind of it got me so much more excited even about our puppy. Our puppy, I She's know. He's got a great puppy. He's, I know he was so cute. sweet. So very we had a hard time smart. leaving, but yeah, um, it is uh, great to to see uh, another puppy in the family. So we'll keep everybody informed about what's going on with the puppy situation. That's pretty much our lives now. <laughs> So we have some big changes in the membership program, which I wanted to announce. Uh, so as we've been talking about for a while, uh, members, which are also known as patrons or patron members, have access to a newly branded membership site called ASC Central. So instead of calling it the membership site, now we're calling it ASC Central. And it is actually going to be a um, one-stop ASC regulatory and accreditation compliance, operations, and financial management resource for busy administrators, nurse managers, and business office managers. So if you are a patron member of the ASC podcast with John Gailey, you get access to ASC Central, which is a special section of the ASC podcast website. 
we're adding new content steadily to uh, ASC Central, and uh, our members will note a number of major changes. The, the login page has been updated, and now, I, if I may say so, I think it looks very pretty. Uh, and then the member resources page now includes a growing list of links to important ASC resources, including credentialing sites, social links, FDA resources, and, of course, uh, regulatory sites. And it also includes some links to some of the state uh, regulations. We're still working on that area. That area, the website is under steady construction and will become a one-stop site for sites that administrators use every day. The member's file library has been completely redesigned and everything is now sorted into sections and we've begun uploading a variety of resources that will be useful to members, including example policies and procedures, regulatory guides, infection control tools, HIPAA tools, risk assessments, example committee minutes, financial tools, uh, and something I'm sure everyone will would like to use, over 60 disaster drill templates that we actually use in our own company. Members only have to pledge $10 or more to get access to ASC Central and its growing resources, and that price will increase in the near future, but if you sign up now, you are guaranteed access to this resource at that price for 12 months. And then other big news, in the coming months, we're also going to be adding a subscription program that will include access to both ASC Central membership and the soon-to-be-released library of premium podcasts. In the coming months, we'll be releasing premium podcasts for the following topics, uh, Introduction to Finance and Accounting, uh, Governance, a Walk Through the Conditions for Coverage, and a new certificate program for new and aspiring infection control coordinators. So if you're interested in learning more about the uh, ASC Central and uh, how to become a member of the ASC Podcast with John Gailey, visit ASCPodcast.com. So that's a lot of information, but we're very excited about this website. Mm-hmm. And really what we're hoping is that it's going to become a real great tool to supplement the podcast that we've been doing here. Uh, so, uh, you know, hopefully between the podcast and this resource, uh, administrators mm-hmm. will have a, a wealth of information available to help them become even better administrators and nurse managers. So we did announce some news in episode 86. I just want to refer everybody back to uh, some uh, breaking news that we did about uh, the potential supply chain disruptions uh, as a result of the coronavirus. So if you want more information on that, please go and listen to episode 86. So the bulk of this episode is going to be a look back on the last 50 years. As we all know, it's a 50th anniversary of the ASC industry. And uh, we're going to take a short break and come back with an interview with Craig Veach from SIS, where we talk about the changes in technology over the last 50 years. If your center is like most ASCs, you have seen significant changes in the past several years. Patient financial responsibility is on the rise, while patient experience has taken on greater importance. With margins tightening, physician owners expect their center to run efficiently and on schedule. Competition for qualified staff has left you with a never-ending cycle of onboarding and training. To meet these challenges and more, many ASCs have turned to technology, But too often, implementing technology leads to a poorly connected patchwork of systems from separate vendors that can reduce performance. Surgical Information Systems has a better way. It's SysComplete. SysComplete is a comprehensive cloud-based technology solution designed for all ASC stakeholders. With SysComplete, administrators and staff use work lists to fly through their scheduling, billing, and revenue cycle management tasks. For physician office staff, SysComplete replaces time-consuming phone calls and faxes with an electronic connection to the ASC that enables them to request cases and share surgical documents. 
Nurses, physicians, and anesthesia providers say they love using SysComplete for electronic clinical documentation because it follows their workflow. And vitals are captured automatically, enabling providers to focus on the patient, not the documentation. Physicians can use a mobile application to access their EMR for schedule updates and to complete their documentation on any device. SysComplete also improves the patient experience. A surgical portal enables patients to complete electronic questionnaires and review instructions when and where it is convenient. All the information put into the portal flows directly into the EMR for review. And on the day of surgery, clinical and waiting area electronic tracking boards keep everyone informed of a patient's surgical progress. Beltline Surgery's Bill McKnight may have summed up SysComplete best when he said, with SysComplete, we get the data on the clinical side and then use it for our administrative purposes. It truly does complete our processes and make everything we do more seamless. Learn how SysComplete can meet your needs today and fuel your growth tomorrow by calling Surgical Information Systems at 800-866-0656 or visit sisfirst.com. This is John Gailey here with Craig Veach. Craig has uh, been in the industry for almost as long as I have. And as we all know, this is the 50th anniversary of the ambulatory surgery industry, starting with the first surgery center in Phoenix, Arizona. Craig is with SIS, our newest sponsor for the podcast. And uh, he has agreed to open up the participation of SIS uh, with a discussion about 50 years of ASC technology and its impact on healthcare growth. So welcome, Craig. Well, thank you very much, John. Uh, thank you very much for having uh, SIS and myself. As you had mentioned, uh, 50 years of ASC technology, and, it, and it's been an incredible growth. I mean, the first ASC, as you mentioned, in Arizona, I believe was podiatry. And today, ASCs are doing hip replacements. Unbelievable. Actually, I just saw my first hip replacement, Craig, uh, last week in a surgery center. And the woman walked out. I mean, literally walked out of the, of the facility at the end of the procedure. It was incredible. I can't believe how far we've come. It is truly amazing. And in addition to the, you know, the growth and type of procedures, this is a very important time for ASCs and the position they're in to provide health care to the aging baby boomers, of which I am one who's partaken lately. <laughs> I think uh, we all are, unfortunately, on yeah. this uh, interview. <laughs> uh, I think hospitals are going to be overwhelmed, and I'll talk about that a little bit further in here, mm -hmm. and may not be the best place for elective surgery when you really do have a choice of when and, and where you want to go. And ASCs are adding uh, technology to improve efficiency and patient safety. And we're going to discuss a little bit later how that technology has been helping ASCs. A bit on the growth, it's, it really has been a uh, tremendous run, I believe, for ASCs. As we mentioned, the first one in 1970, they began increasing at a rate of 10 per year so that in uh, 1979, 1980, they finally surpassed 100. In 1988, it had become so successful, the number had jumped to over a 1,000 at this point. And then today, there's a little over uh, 5,600 surgery centers in the country. And, and I think another interesting statistic that you showed is that the, the number of hospitals is actually very close to the number of surgery centers. 
Yes. And uh, in, if you look at the growth from 1988 to today, that was an 82% increase for surgery centers. However, for hospitals in that same time period, they only went from 5,500 to about 6,200 or 12% growth. Now, granted, they are a different healthcare delivery model, but you'll see where this figure comes into play a little bit later. Well, and I think it's also interesting that if we were to look at the changes in the last couple of years, too, we're definitely going to be seeing hospitals going down and the ASCs continuing to go up. It's definitely on that trend. And even look at the procedures for ambulatory surgery centers. In 1982, Medicare had only approved 200 procedures. And in 2011, Medicare even recognizing the value of it, those procedure counts had jumped to over 3,500. Right. I'm not sure what it is today, but I think it's somewhere around 4,000. So it's it's been an incredible increase in the number of approved procedures. Right. And I think the value that they really bring to the table is in uh, surgery centers would be in three areas, providing the health care, savings to the U.S. government, and patient safety. And, and what I mean by that is the value for the uh, health care population in 1988, there is 244,500,000 in the U.S. 2019, it's a little over or about 331 million people. That's a 35% increase. But in the really important demographic, those over 65 using health care, in 1988, there was 28 million. In 2019, there is now over 69 million. That's a 146% increase. Right. And keep in mind, during that time period, there was only a 12% increase in hospital capacity, where in ASCs, there was the 82% jump. Right. Another big point would be the savings. In 2017, according to uh, ASCA uh, statistics, ambulatory surgery centers saved Medicare $2.3 billion by performing procedures in ASCs rather than hospitals. And this was an across-the-board contribution. Florida, where you would expect it to be a large number, saved $390 million for Medicare. And even little Rhode Island saved $7,500,000. Can you imagine how much we would save if even more of those procedures moved over from the outpatient setting to the ASC market? To me, it's unbelievable how much the savings would be, and particularly in this day of trillion-dollar deficits. Right. And he, I think it was Senator Everett Dirksen who uh, said, uh, you know, a billion here and a billion there, and pretty soon you're talking about serious money. Right. <laughs> so the savings is substantial. And as you just said, John, it could be incredibly more than what we are doing today. Right. And let's hope during this 50th anniversary we can get that message out, not only to, uh, you know, the government, but, but also to uh, – to patients and help them to understand that not only are we providing better care, but obviously doing it in a much more cost-effective system. Absolutely. And the last point that I wanted to make before we actually got into the technology was patient safety in a comparison between hospital and ASCs. Hospital inpatient surgical site infection rate is estimated to be between 2 and 4%, with an annual cost of 35 to $10 billion dollars and an unfortunate 3% mortality rate yeah. among those who do acquire uh, SSI. 
Now, in some respects, comparing that to a surgery center because of the surgery center's uh, facility, the, the actual facility itself, the uh, procedure mix, and more importantly, the patient population in working with healthy patients. Mm -hmm. But still, when you allow for a less than one-tenth of one percent surgical site infection rate, that's, that's impressive. Absolutely, yes. How has the technology assisted the growth? Some people in technology may say they, they really, you know, helped the growth. I think technology did assist the growth, but it was more rising to the occasion to meet the needs of the uh, industry. Mm-hmm. Early technology probably consisted at that first ASC in Arizona of a pen, paper, typewriter, <laughs> and most likely a rotary dial telephone. <laughs> I remember my first surgery center in 1990, we bought a special, sele- you know, one of those selectric typewriters in order to type out all the claims, and all of our first claims went out on that. <laughs> that was before we bought the first system, which was Temple. You remember those days? Oh, yes. Yes. We were one oh, of yes. the early adopters of it. But yeah, the first claims went out on a typewriter, and we thought we were, like, advanced just using a typewriter. <laughs> I can remember being in an office once presenting a system to someone that it was the same thing. They were using the typewriter. She goes, oh, I don't know if I could handle a computer. I just got this typewriter three months ago. I would guess that some of the first surgery centers in that first decade of growth from the uh, 70s did adopt some automation, but more than likely it was practice management systems from the doctor's own practice. And all they were doing was getting maybe scheduling registration and possibly some billing, but more like you said, John, using that selectric typewriter. Yeah. And by the way, I don't know that, Craig, that has completely changed. Uh, one of the challenges that we find as we uh, start up new centers is the number of doctors who, you know, if they're opening up a surgery center and they have a practice also, uh, wanting to use their practice management software to run the surgery center. And, you know, we spend a lot of time explaining to them the pitfalls of that and how really it's not appropriate because of how different the two uh, types of operations are. As we get a little further into the discussion, I want to bring up some more points supporting what you just said, because it is a very important issue. Right. Then as the uh, ASC growth continued, remember there was, uh, during the 80s, was a tremendous amount of growth. They went from 100 centers to 1,000 by 1988. That's why in the mid-80s, you saw several companies enter the market with management systems specifically for ASCs. Temple Surgery Center Systems, the one you mentioned, Surgery Center Information Systems out in California, and Camberley up in Massachusetts. And at that same time, some ASCs began to experiment with hospital systems because they developed relationships with hospitals and they were promised that, yes, we can make the changes in the hospital system that will work for you. Which they're still working on 40 years later. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. But these these systems, the Temple, Surgery Center, Information Systems, and Camberley, they improved scheduling. They added functions like preference cards, inventory functionality. And those functions and others that they specifically designed for ASCs really improved to the efficiency. uh, And that contributes to the profitability. And and my own thought is that's what allowed for some of these profits became known, leading more surgeons and physicians to open their own ASCs as you got into the late 80s and early 90s. The 90s, and this was a combination of a practice management 
software that uh, merged with Temple Surgery Center Systems mm-hmm. became the company called Health IS that developed the Advantix system. And this is really the first system that was introduced to the market in over 12 years. So it made use of a lot of uh, technology changes that were available in uh, IT. And it was the first Windows system, correct? Yes. Well, others ran on Windows platforms, but underneath they were actually DOS programs. Right, right. Advantix was the true first Windows one. It was designed for ASCs from its conception, including enhancing a lot of the features from the older systems like scheduling and uh, registration and billing. But it also added functions like case costing, right. collector's desktop, uh, claims history analysis, contract payment analysis. And all those things brought together what was later to become known as business intelligence. They didn't know it was business intelligence yet at that time. But it truly allowed for planning and analysis and proving the enhancing of systems for ASCs. Not surprisingly, Advantix is still the workhorse for the industry. It's installed in more installations and ASC facilities than any other ASC management system today. Right. And and an interesting statistic within our own company, uh, more than a third of all of our centers use Advantix still. It has a tremendous amount of functionality, but it was limited now somewhat by the advances in technology, but the functionality of it is still a, a very superb system. Right. Once again... The ASCs were able to improve efficiency, automate a lot of manual functions, and allowed for the owners to react to more current business information and make decisions so that they could focus on really important issues like patient care, patient safety, and growth. And then the government stepped in, and and as they occasionally do, and threw a curveball to all the technology, and they started uh, with the state and federal organizations requesting data from ASCs that required just incredible intensive manual effort to collect and prepare that information. And that's where technology really came through and helped out, even though uh, places like the state of Florida made it a challenge by every quarter changing the requirements. and automated that whole process. So it turned it into, it was a little more than just push a button, but it did save a tremendous amount of man hours. So once again, they could focus on the patients. Uh In the uh, early 2006, uh, another company came out called Amkai. A couple of other systems came out and were developing systems. But a company based, who was actually hosting this, Surgical Information Systems based in Atlanta, primarily working in the hospital market, their leaders recognized the importance of ASCs to the future. So they acquired Amchi, and a few years later, they acquired Source Medical. This gave surgical information control of the solutions that were being used by almost 50% of all ASCs, as well as eight of the 10 largest ASC management companies. So they really consolidated and brought together a lot of expertise. Right. But these systems all offered to ASCs at this time were still, most of them were solid platforms. They could manage the office requirements, billing and inventory, and some analysis. But they were really all client-server systems with a minimum multi-site functionality. Why don't you describe client-server for our audience who might not be familiar? A lot of people today have heard a lot about the cloud, information or software as a service. Client server is where you have a file server 
where all the data resides, and then you have clients, which are the workstations where the processing gets done and just updates the data. And in probably 99% of those installations, that whole uh, configuration in network is at the local site. Right. So that's what makes it difficult to have multi-site locations. They have added some technology that allow you to roll up different pieces of information, but it's still uh, a basic client-server technology. And I think an important point to, to make sure about uh, client-server systems is that the responsibility for maintaining the server itself falls on the center. That's very true. And those are the ones that are open to data breaches probably more than anything because most centers can't afford to have a full-time IT person on staff maintaining all the uh, very expensive firewall that's needed to keep these hackers out of systems. Right. The next big step in automation to assist ambulatory surgery centers was the introduction of electronic medical record systems. The first true EMR was Amchi Charts. It truly is a, uh, a marvel at functionality, but once again, it was still it's a client-server-based system, Right. but it was a uh, phenomenal uh, advancement in automation of clinical documentations. ASCs were not part of the incentive program known as Meaningful Use, that hospitals were part of. That's why in uh, 2010, hospital usage was about 62% for EMRs. Ambulatory surgery center was uh, about 22%. In 2017, which is where the meaningful use was, the results of it came about, hospitals had jumped to 97%. And ASC EMR usage was at 50%. But I have to put a caveat on that 50%. Because a lot of people were including, uh, as an EMR, if you took your paper charts right. and scanned them in and saved mm -hmm. them on a computer, they called that electronic. Yeah. And there was other things that were not true EMR systems. But it was basically uh, uh, an EMR under glass where you just filled out a, a paper form right. on your computer. And that was basic information. Mm -hmm. But I think a real tipping point came about in 2012 when people could really recognize the value of an EMR. That was the year that 64 deaths were linked to a compounding pharmacy drug. Mm -hmm. The notifications went out to hospital, well, ASCs, medical offices, the entire healthcare field, mm -hmm. to track down all the patients who received this medication and alert them. Now, without an EMR, that was impossible. People were just hoping none of their patients got sick. But the people who had Amchi charts, once the notification went out, by the next morning, they knew the name and date of every patient that did receive that drug. Right. To me, that, that's the kind of patient safety yeah. that EMRs can really bring to the table. Absolutely. And it's, it's still shocking to me, uh, well, even among our own clients here at uh, Ambitory Healthcare Strategies, the uh, the lack of penetration of EMR systems uh, even today. I mean, I don't know that it's gone much above 50, uh, 50%. Um, and as you said, I don't even think it's 50% if you really talk about true EMRs uh, right. as we sit here today. Well, I think in the next section, 
it's where we're going to be able to help you uh, to explain why that is there. So what are it, the next steps <laughs> for <laughs> technology? <laughs> well, really, b- back to the EMRs sure. that are out there today, they're still client-server technology. Yeah. And they're uh, designed with Windows, but they're a lot of work. It's, it's work-intensive. Yeah. The next step in technology is to bring systems into, if you will, almost artificial intelligence-like type environment. Right. As the numbers of in, and complexity of cases that are performed by ASCs increase, you need much more contemporary software. Yeah. And software that is a true cloud-based software as a service, SaaS, systems and solutions that are built with the kind of security and reliability that you can't get having all these individual file server systems out in the individual surgery centers. Right. But more importantly, it has to serve all the needs of the stakeholders. And that includes the patients, surgeons, anesthesia providers, clinical staff, office staff, and it has to include, naturally, all the components that you need for efficient functioning surgery center, including mobility functionality so that doctors can get their information on their uh, smartphones, inventory management, patient communications, uh, patient tracking within the facility, right. inventory management, and business intelligence. And it's also the design of the software, John, that, that has to be different. Instead of having like a module for uh, scheduling, yeah. a separate module for registration, and you can't work in registration until someone gets out of it so that you can work yeah. in it, you have to have what's called a task or workless driven system that if I am a uh, bill, if I'm a collector in a surgery center, when I walk in and I log into the system, I don't have to run this report to see what's 90 days past due or this report that's 120 or this report that's patient past due or, or carrier past due. I walk in, I turn on the computer, I sign in, and based on the parameters of how I've set it up, it gives me the first person I have to call that day, right? whether it's a carrier or patient, and it tracks it all the way through. So I spend my time doing my job instead of wasting half the day trying to get ready to do my job. job. Yeah, running reports in preparation for everything that you have to do. Exactly, and it's the same thing for the clinical side. If I'm in the OR and uh, the patient is being wheeled in, when I bring up that patient's record, I want to know all the information that was gathered in pre-op, their medical history, if there's any alerts. Uh, I want to be able to know that I can go right in to the safety stop and start working with the patient. I don't want to have to ask questions again. It's all right there in front of me. And that's the one, and I'll deviate. Uh, That's what surgical information system has made a tremendous investment is bringing that next evolution in ASC systems to the market. And that's where uh, I think the uh, market is at now. It's just on the uh, beginning of that next software evolution. And uh, it is at the point where the system can really help all the stakeholders, whether patient, physician, office, clinical, 
really perform their jobs better and be able to be more attentive to the patient care and safety. I think one of the the huge themes that you've uh, touched on here is the you know we we've known that the hospital market is a result of the to a certain degree the the, the push by the government to move toward an EMR system um really has made huge strides and as you indicated they're they're almost all now computer based and we in the ASC industry have been a little bit behind in getting there but certainly within the last couple of years, huge strides have been made in that area. And, and now we're ready to take on that information gap that we've had with the, the hospitals. And part of it was the software that they had to deal with on the EMR. Um, right. I don't want to knock Amchi charts since I was part of Amchi. Right. <laughs> but it took two weeks or more and multiple trips back for training to use that system. Right. The, the new SIS charts is so easy to use that nurses are up and running in two days now. I, I, and I've seen that myself is that, uh, again, like you said, you know, when I first started working with the temple information system, you know, we all had to go through a week of training in order to be able to figure out how to use it. Uh, mm-hmm. I pulled up uh, one of your uh, programs. It was Amchi actually last week. I, I hadn't actually used that particular module. And without any training, without using any of the notes, I was able to intuitively figure out how to run the reports, yeah. which is, our, you know, an indication of how far we've gone. And I think that's the important point we need to make is that we talk a lot about how important education is or how important it is, you know, for organizations to make an investment in the training necessary for these uh, computer systems that we've been developing. But what's more important is that we get to the point where the systems themselves are so intuitive that you don't have to go through uh, a lot of uh, very specific training. Exactly. And, and you want to stay current. With the uh, I, I, I would be shocked if I went into an ASC and found a rotary phone, even though <laughs> I'm still there, right. or uh, a stethoscope from 15 years ago. Yeah, They have to become aware that the automation system for both the office and clinical side of things, and, and that's actually merged where it, it's one system now, right. uh, is just as critical to stay current with technology in that as it is with the medical devices. Right. So Craig, you know, I think one of my issues ongoing is is trying to convince a new uh, ambulatory surgery center the importance of not using their practice management system and, and investing in an ASC specific uh, system. Can you talk a little bit about that? John, when I've uh, run into that situation out in the field, and I have run into it a number of times, I ask them why they want to and generally, it's because, well, it's what I'm used to. Right. For the doctor, particularly if they're talking about an uh, electronic medical record system or the office management system. And on the, on the management side, it's usually a, a little more direct on how to point out the differences. And that is, okay, uh, when you're scheduling, you're scheduling a patient and a doctor. When you're scheduling in an ASC system, you're scheduling a room, a doctor, a patient, an anesthesiologist, your uh, supplies, medical devices, and all that information pulls together to automate that whole process. Right. If you use your practice system, you have to do all those other things by hand. Right. And that's where mistakes occur. Well said. The same thing with uh, inventory. When you use a preference card, if you don't have an ASC system, then someone has to manually 
print out that or save a Xerox copy of one and then go pull everything. But how do you change that Xerox copy? Because it's turned out that the doctor hasn't used this one item and ends up getting thrown away and wasted every time they do it, where on a computer, just bing, it alerts you that you haven't used this for quite a while. Do you still want it on the preference card? Those are the things that are different, notwithstanding even the billing. Most practice management systems cannot do a UV. Right. They can only do HICFAS. Exactly. Well, and, of course, one of the arguments that the, uh, the the doctors will make is that, well, how can I afford this? And I, I guess my argument would be, how can you afford not to? To me, that is the one of the biggest misconceptions and mistakes they have. It's what you just said. How can you afford not to? Because you just sank, what, $5 million right. into a new ASC? <laughs> yeah. And you're jeopardizing that? For a if for a practice management system for thirty or forty thousand dollars, yeah, you're really going to jeopardize that. This is the one tool that can tell you if you're going to be profitable or not. Right. If you're wasting supplies, what your cost per procedure is compared to your billing, this is the only tool that can protect your investment. Let alone the issue of making sure you're billing properly and collecting as quickly as possible, and having the tools necessary to be able to follow up on outstanding claims. Exactly. On the EMR side, there's a, uh, an easy way to approach it, and it's, it's not dissimilar from the management side. An EMR for a medical practice is designed for a one-in-one encounter, the doctor-patient, nurse-patient, PA-patient. It's only one-on-one the whole time. Right. With the ASC, EMR is truly a process manager as well as collecting your clinical information and all the patient safety, your timeout and everything. But the practice is just one-on-one. The surgery center tracks OR, post-op, patient follow-up, PACU, that all the credentialing is right. It is truly a a system that does more than you, you could use a practice management system, but all you're going to do is collect a little bit of clinical information. It's not going to manage the process and ensure that you're following all your policy and procedures. Right. And that will get you into trouble. We are really moving into the next evolution in the change of software for ASCs with the cloud base because it removes all the problems of security that as individual ASC would have to maintain. It also allows for larger organizations that want to be able to roll up data very easily with, from multiple facilities. And the, the change in the design of the software from a modular base to a workless base truly is an efficiency shot in the arm for the uh, ASC staff. Very good. Thank you so much for your time, Craig. I appreciate this. I appreciate you asking me, John. Thank you. (laughs) Our pleasure. You're never alone in the ASC industry. Many organizations are eager to provide an opportunity to keep up on all aspects of running an ASC. And in this section, we highlight upcoming events. If you would like your event to be included in the podcast, please send the event information to info at ASCpodcast.com. 
The Georgia Society of Ambulatory Surgery Centers and South Carolina Ambulatory Surgery Center Association's joint semi-annual conference and trade show is February 20th and 21st at the Western Atlanta Perimeter North in Atlanta, Georgia. HHC's Achieving Accreditation, which is an interactive, in-depth, two-day seminar designed to help organizations prepare for the HHC survey, is March 13th and 14th in Miami. If you're considering a change from IMQ to HHC, this is a great opportunity to learn more about. This year's National Advocacy Day is taking place in Washington, D.C. on March 24th and 25th. Participation in ASCA's National Advocacy Day is the best way to build relationships with your members of Congress, advocate for your ASC and the ASC community, and network with other ASC leaders. ARN's Global Surgical Conference is in Anaheim, California, March 28th through April 1st. We'll be attending the conference and recording a special episode there with interviews of speakers. The Florida Society of ASC's Quality and Risk Management Conference is April 16th and 17th in Buena Vista, Florida. The Iowa Association of ASC's 12th Annual Education Conference is April 17th and 18th, 2020 in Johnston, Iowa. ASCA 2020 is in Orlando, Florida, May 13th through the 16th. It's the ASC industry's most highly regarded and well-attended event. Attendees include physicians, administrators, nurses, managers, and owners of ASCs from across the country and throughout the world. At ASCA's annual conference, you will find more than 50 educational sessions designed for ASC professionals at every level, nationally recognized ASC management experts, networking opportunities with more than a 1,000 of your colleagues, hundreds of exhibitors who can help you find the solutions your ASC is looking for, the latest regulatory and accreditation updates, so make sure you sign up to attend. And we're, of course, going to be there, as we always are, uh, in force. And, Sue, I just finally actually uh, submitted my presentations for the conference. Oh, uh, good. Yeah, it's only two weeks late. Um, <laughs> that, that's actually, I think, a record for me. Um, Becker's 18th Annual Future of Spine, the Spine Orthopedic and Pain Management-Driven ASC Conference is June 18th through the 20th, 2020, at the Swiss Hotel Chicago in, of course, Chicago, Illinois. The Florida Society of ASC's annual conference and trade show is July 15th through the 17th at the Walt Disney World in Orlando, Florida. And the Ohio State Association Conference will be held September 30th through October 1st, 2020 at the Hilton Columbus Polaris in Columbus, Ohio. Well, that's it for this episode of the ASC Podcast with John Gailey. Join us again and please consider becoming a member by going to our website at ASCPodcast.com and spread the word about our podcast with your friends and colleagues and do us the honor of hitting the subscribe button. The sound editor for this episode is Susan Cronkite. Executive producer is John Gailey. Research assistance is provided by Susan Cronkite, Jenna Alvarez, Judy D'Ambrosio, Alex Borneman, and Lori Rodericks. Music is provided by Media Sushi and Mike Noah. The ASC Podcast with John Gailey is hosted on Podbean and available on all major podcast channels. This podcast is an educational and operational tool and is not intended to be a comprehensive resource for all rules, regulations, and standards that an ambulatory surgery center must meet. The advice provided should not be considered as, nor does it constitute legal advice or opinion. When reviewing specific situations involving legal and regulatory issues, attorneys and other professionals should be consulted. This has been a production of Eden Group Development. All rights are reserved. We would like to thank this week's sponsor, Surgical Information Systems. SIS provides cutting-edge information solutions for surgery providers. For more information, visit sisfirst.com. If you're interested in advertising or sponsoring with the ASC Podcast with John Gailey, please email us at info at ASCPodcast.com. 
We would love to hear your questions and comments. Please email us at comments at ASCPodcast.com.